Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. Uh, history tells us that change is the only constant. Danger and privation are road bumps that must be met with the right state of mind and imagination, the right logic argument or logic ladder, the right information, the right price, the right process against that information and the right people and tools. And that's a lot of darn things to get right to reduce the chances of risk that may impede us uh, or may actually destroy us or disrupt us. I, I reflected on that and realized there was a gentleman um, who has been at the center of security intelligence, risk mitigation in the private sector for over 25 years before that in the armed forces. And he was right there during a period of time around 18 years where uh, at a very large software company, he can tell you who that is in a second. And it was a period of it of enormous corporate growth for this company, but as well, security program evolution. And he was right in the middle of that. So I'd like to introduce to you, Chuck Randolph. Chuck? Hey, great. thank you, Ron. And thanks for having me on the uh, great conversation. I hope I can live up to it. Oh, you, everyone lives up to it because it's merely <laughs> a conversation and we're both trying to get to a degree of insights and truths and share them with others. So we're going to have some fun today, Mr. Randolph. Um, uh, Chuck uh, is now uh, at, at risk. Let's just start with at risk for a second, Chuck. What is sure. at risk? So at risk is a risk consultancy. It's a global company like many. Um, and I am the uh, newly minted senior director of operations for at risk. And part of my duties includes the uh, manage running and management of their global risk intelligence team, as well as managing uh, global uh, protection efforts. And, and what's, what's cool about this is even though at risk has been around for a while, they're in, um, they're at the cusp or an inflection point for themselves as well, where they're going to uh, not only feeling that it's the right time, there's an inflection point going on in our industry right now, uh, but possibly, uh, possibly uh, aggressive growth. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think, Ron, it's, you know, COVID and the pandemic uh, has had, uh, shall we say, interesting second and third orders of effect outside of the loss of life and the, the terrible issues that many individuals have had to deal with regarding, you know, the illness. Um, the growth uh, that has come from, shall we say, somewhat of, of a calling of the industry. You've seen some companies fall. You've seen other companies pop up. You've seen new opportunities, uh, whether it's in the, in the digital space or the physical space uh, that's come from people working from home. And I, I think all of this turmoil, if you will, has created a lot of opportunity. And there's companies out there and individuals who are poised to take advantage and, and differentiate. That's right. And, and, and forgive me, but I, I really believe when I heard this and you told me a little bit about at risk and its 
poised for growth and opportunity. Um, it, it, it did immediately translate to me on what you did for 18 years at that large software company that everyone knows who you were associated with. We probably can mention them. Uh, it yeah, is absolutely. Microsoft, right? Uh, but think about it, 18 years of enormous corporate growth for Microsoft during that period. And of course, revolutionary growth in the security program. Uh, do you see the analogy there between what you're going to experience now and in the future and what you did for 18 years there? I do. And, you know, I really valued my time at Microsoft and learned something, you know, new every, every day. I mean, there was always a new challenge. There was always a new opportunity and, and leaders there gave us an opportunity to grow, uh, to get things right and also to get things wrong. Um, without repercussion of, of, of fearing to fail. And when I look at, uh, look at companies like at risk and what we're doing now, I look at and you see and you can feel the energy that things will change. And what I, you know, let me give you a great example of that. You know, at Microsoft, we saw changes. We saw CEO turnovers. You know, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to have uh, served all three CEOs. Uh, we saw changes in the environment. We saw growth of cyber. We saw growth of contracts. You know, we started being more informed of things like the 10K risk and understanding and guiding and being and forecasting with an intelligence-led, uh, intelligence-fed operations-led mantra. And I sense that now. Corporations who are coming out of the pandemic or coming through the pandemic are retooling they're, they're re-looking at the way they examine risk and they're looking at ways and convergence points be between various uh, risks that they have and the ways that they, they combat those risks. So I, I feel like there's many sectors that are poised for change. And I feel like at risk is a place that's there and you know, helping folks find that new pathway. Well, lots of, there's a lots of different on-ramps to this information highway the industry seems to be on. Um, you know, I've often coined the term, this is a sensor-driven world now. So lots of different, yeah. and by the way, humans are one of the sensors. So we've got this incredible amount of on-ramps coming onto an information highway that is yet to be constructed. <laughs> well, you know, Ron, what's interesting in that is, you know, along with uh, uh, a career in corporate security, you know, I, I had a career in the military as well. And the last 15 years in my military career, I was in information operations. And it, what you're saying is a sensor actually translates well, because we used to think of things as the information environment. And information operations is either, you know, in a very short way, it's either protecting your information environment, or disrupting or influencing an adversaries. And if we look at just like things that are happening now in terms of cybersecurity and digital protection, that 100% translates over. Mm, that's interesting. Let's stick with that analogy for a second in your, uh, your military background. You said we're either protecting or disrupting. And I went to game theory for a second and said, you're either on offense or defense, but you have to have the mindset of both. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in order... If you think about the environment you're working in and the information environment, you have to understand your lines of communication, your lines of effort. You have to understand the various channels that you're in. And you also have to understand the enemies. Uh, you know, this is, you know, this is all Sun Tzu kind of thing, like understand what you're about, understand what they're about, understand your weakness, understand their gaps, work to influence or disrupt 
in their environment from their point of view while protecting your own. I guess if we were fighter pilots, we'd say, you know, it's Boyd's OODA loop. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Now let's, let's pause for a second. Uh, as you know, and many of our viewers have heard me say, uh, the value equation starts with a simple equation. It's called risk and opportunity. Uh, that's the value equation. That's what all CEOs are measured against, how they balance risk and opportunity. Uh, so as we look at the industry for a second, and we're referring to the risk resilient security industry, what are the risks right now that we may miss the opportunity coming from this inflection point? And, and, and we're not talking just at risk here, Charles. We're talking the industry itself. What are the various constraints you see or gaps that you think need to be filled to take advantage of this opportunity we're going to have? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I appreciate you giving me a bully pulpit to, uh, to respond. I think what I've observed, uh, not you know, just from my holistic opportunities and experiences that I've had across the board and, and now seeing other, other organizations and things, is this myopic look at risk? We always tend to be looking at the last risk we had from one lens. And I, I described probably, you could probably describe it better than I would, Ron, but sometimes I've described risk as just a big piece of jello. It's formless and it's just trying to find a crack to get in. And if we're consistently looking at the last risk we had, we're not predicting, well, scratch that. We're not forecasting about the risk that might be. You know, one of my favorite magazines uh, that I get is called Current History. It's, I think they changed public, they changed it to University of California uh, is the company is who publishes it now. But you know, there's been several times when I've read things that have been in this magazine, I've gone back and said, okay, wait a minute. How does that affect where we are now? Who needs to come to the table to discuss and inform about this problem? Then how can we forecast to it? I, you know, you said earlier talking about the elements, risk and opportunity. Well, I've always been a fan of the U.S. Army's design methodology uh, I remember as, you know, going to staff college as a major and everyone says, oh, you're going to go and you're going to get your, uh, you're going to get your frontal lobotomy and you'll turn into a robot. But I remember having an epiphany about problem solving, thinking it's not necessarily linear. Sometimes we have to design the methodology, methodology around the problem in order to get to the right answer, because there might be several answers to the problem not all of them might not be appropriate for us. Interesting. I, I, I think what I just heard is, again, thinking about thinking of as we get together in a strategy meeting, we think of a target for our strategy. And what you're saying is, wait just a second, in and around that target should be our methodology for dissecting what is and what could be not necessarily the direct, um, the direct, but more the indirect approach. And we need a methodology around that. Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, so a good friend of mine is in the design world, not a security person, not executive protection, not intelligence. However, I, I, he started many, many years ago in, I think, intelligence and then went over to design. He worked for the mouse for a while. And we were having a conversation one night over a, a glass of wine about problem solving. And he suggested story mapping. Mm. 
And we had a long conversation about design methodology and storing mapping to solve complex problems. And when, you know, going back to your original question, what, you know, what are we missing right now? I think every, everybody's looking for a tool or everybody's looking for the linear route to problem solving. You know, I, rem I remember, what was it, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago, cyber. They were waiting, for, looking for a fix for cyber. What we quickly realized is that cyber is never going away. It's just a concentric thing that will continue and continue. And what we need to do is inform as to the issues that are facing cyber and now start looking across the table to our physical partners and saying, what do you have that you can inform on this problem too? Because they're now becoming, you know, ge almost geostrategic, if you'll allow me in, in some of the issues. It's um, one of, uh, one of the uh, executives in emergency management, uh, I think I, I, I'm going to attack your comment on methodology and uh, the obtuse angle, if you will, uh, that you'd be attacking with maybe a different way of looking at it. She said, um, she said, no tool, just like you did. She mm -hmm. said, what we need is a mindset. We're, Absolutely. With the proper mindset, then we can begin to construct and dissect and understand with imagination what might happen. And that could be an entrepreneur talking, not just a risk resilience guy, right? That could be an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ron, you're a professor yourself. So you, I mean, you of all people understand, like if we can, if we can teach a student how to learn, then they can take that and replicate it time and time again. You know, there's, there's this old adage on the cyber side where it's like, Hey, just give me my things to threat hunt. You know, and IOCs does not, is not, sorry, folks, IOCs is not intelligence program. It's just threat hunting. But what we need is we, we, she's exactly right. We need an idea and a methodology behind that so that we can look for and inform leadership about these problems in a larger, more strategic way. Mm hmm. And now the technology supports that agenda. So if we want to be able to take that, those sensors again, all those devices we're putting out in our environment that will collect information for us, public and private, and begin to construct a, um, a protective security engine that can develop insights proactively and mm -hmm. uh, be ready when something does occur as well, uh, that that seems to be the, the 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 philosophical basis for the tools we'll be selecting in the future. Yeah, I, I actually believe there's a time run where we'll see more chief risk officers coming online. Mm -hmm. So you know we have we have the physical you know uh, CSO if you will, and we have the CISO. Sometimes those the you know those are rolled into one and. Uh, you know, this is Randolph's prediction is at some point in the next five years, we might see this, this idea of the chief risk officer coming on board, who's kind of looking at risk at scale. And that's just not security risk that might have some financial and, and other things in terms of how are we connecting and synchronizing mm. to inform leadership about risk at scale, whether, you know, whether that's a small company or a large com company, so that we can better be poised to make risk-based decisions. Excellent. 
So um, like to put us in a room for a second. Uh, you and I, mm -hmm. of course, are at my virtual fireplace right now. I'm skipping, uh, I'm virtually sipping a scotch and I think you're on wine, if I understand. <laughs> uh, but we, we've invited uh, into the conversation a CEO and, uh, and a CSO. And we together are going to come up with an approach today and an approach may, that maybe doesn't exist today, uh, but we can imagine in the future. How do we make this? The reason I'm putting the CEO and CSO together is because again, the CEO's job is managing risk with opportunity. And how are we going to construct that new CSO, CRO into um, what is going to be a, a, a weapon for growth and opportunity for the organization. What do you think is the new scorecard, if you will, Chuck Randolph, for the vendor that's gonna help those two individuals make that happen? What, what are, because we're gonna have to reach outside ourselves to be able to see ourselves as we are. So I'm gonna say we're gonna have to reach out to an advisory. What, what's gonna be the scorecard for that? Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a, I, I love the room you've just put us in. And, you know, I, everyone listening is like, man, I wish I could be me because I would love the opportunity to sit down with those two functions, look at the CEO and say, first off, thank you for inviting us here uh, so we can have this discussion. And instead of saying like, what are the things that keep you up at night? Really trying to understand. And I love that phrase, by the way, but I think it's overused sometimes, but really trying to understand from the CEO, what's important to you to make decisions. And then from that, we're deriving at some level, Ron, what would end up being intelligence requirements. Then turning over to that chief risk officer and saying, okay, the boss has just laid out what she thinks is important to her to drive this organization. Well, let's wait, wait, so, wait. Let's pause yep. for a second. I hold it, hold that thought, but I don't want to yes, go sir. there yet because let's, let's have some fun with the CEO. So he's just answered that question for you, or she has just answered that question for you. That is, these are the questions I have that help me, if I can answer them, uh, make a risk-based decision, correct? That's what you just said, right? Yes. Okay, but then he turns around and says, and what are the questions I'm not asking that you would help me with? Yeah, absolutely. I would say in terms of blind spots, what would you like to, what would you have liked to have known three years ago or when you first stepped into this role that you didn't know now? Excellent. I think that's because a question. again, you and I are both, I mean, you and I are both history buffs and, you know, I think, uh, who is it? Uh, Nassim Taleb, he wrote black Swan. He talks about history being opaque, opaque, um, but just to stop for a second and say, okay, you know, CEOs are, are driven, they're, they're risk takers or they wouldn't be there. So you, you got to be careful. I think sometimes in the security world that is you're not seen as the break glass in case of emergency. So I think sometimes by slowing the boss down and saying, what is it that you would have liked to have known? What is your current, you know, if, if I was making a current history uh, issue about you, what would you want to be in that issue? So we could go back and say, okay, and I have a somewhat of an example of that, if you'll allow me, Ron. Absolutely. Um, let's, and this is, you know, this is not political statements by you or I, but if you, you take the situation in China, they come up with five-year plans. Uh, 
And if you take a five-year plan and you look at maybe the last, I think the new five-year plan is either out or it should be out sometime in the next couple months. But say you took the last five-year plan, you went in and you said, what were the, ele- what were the informing elements from this plan that, you know, that maybe uh, the, the Chinese government was interested in? And say we're a tech company or say we're an energy company or say we're an aviation company, it doesn't really matter. And then we overlay that on the issues we had. We can say like, oh, here's where these issues fit into this risk bucket that was informed because we did, we did a problem design around China's last five-year plans. So now we know that there's a new one coming up and we look at it, we do the same thing and we can say, okay, you know, thinking in terms of like red teaming from an intelligence point of view, what can we fill in these buckets so now we can forecast potential issues and we can then go out to the masses and say, here's what we, here's what we want y'all to be on the lookout for. Well, I, I got to tell you something for um, on my side of the house where I've held CEOs and their team position within their ecosystem for competitive advantage, we take the same approach. So that's why I've always lobbied for someone like you, Charles, sitting at my table, if I'm at the CEO, so I can have the business and the pure risk uh, executives weighing in on the same question. And that is my competitor has a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. What are my risks? Right. What, what are this, uh, what happens to the supply chains if this and this happens, says Chuck Randolph, right? Um, and, and how, and how are we positioned for competitive advantage if that happens? Right. Right. And if we take that, if we go back to the C, you know, the C, the CEO in the, in the room and she tells us, here's the things I wish I would have known over the past five years, either, you know, maybe, maybe there was something to do with, um, uh, business loss in, or, you know, a financial loss, or maybe there was, you know, a uh, loss of IP or something, but by taking those and, and digging into them to them a little bit, when we turn and look at the chief risk officer or the CSO, we now have the ability to ask them, how would we best array our, sorry for the military analogy here. How would we best array our forces to combat this issues? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, the Greek word behind strategy is called strategos, and it was known as the art of the general. So don't apologize for your, your terms. <laughs> the art of Thank the generals. You. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, it this, is. Is, this has been a great conversation with Chuck Randolph, um, uh, where we've learned that we're always at risk. And how do we turn that into a competitive advantage as well as the safety and security of our people. Um, Chuck, uh, who should we invite to the fireplace uh, at the next great conversation? Anybody in particular? I think it would be interesting to have a CEO uh, or a head of an organization. It could be a .org or .com or .gov. CEO, a CISO, a CSO, and a red team, red teaming expert. Okay. And then a facilitator. Right. So here's what you and I are going to do. And you're all listening in on Chuck and I, we're going to, we're going to tag team on this. We're, we're between us. We're going to find that audience. We may have to divide up that conversation into first a CEO, then a CISO, then a CSO, 
and then maybe bring the red team in and going, given what we just heard from each of them, here's, here's, here's what we do. How does that sound? Well, that sounds amazing. And I tell you why I picked those elements, Ron, is yeah. uh, on the side, I'm, I'm been reading a lot about uh, war gaming, you know, in terms of for the federal government or for uh, customers and clients that we might, we might uh, utilize that for. And, and I've been thinking a lot about exactly what you said, bringing folks together, having that conversation, then asking the red team. And I don't, I'm not talking about people that they're going to break in and, you know, throw somebody in the back of a van with duct tape or somebody that's just merely doing penetration testing. I'm talking about these folks that come in and understand red team soup the nuts and then say, how do we now design some scenarios that by that we can be informed about triggers and indicators that we can then go back and give to the organization. So everybody's looking at the same thing using common operating information. So I, absolutely, I would love to partner with you on that. There were a number of different software companies I was at uh, with when they were starting up and we were getting into methodology and how we could have rapid application development. So I've always thought of rad teams. And so when you're talking about red teams, Am I correct? And a, a great red team knows how to create out of the information that gathers rapid scenario development. So it helps you imagine and ideate on what can happen next. Is that correct? Absolutely. The art of the art of the creating the possible. The art of the possible. This has been a great conversation with Chuck Randolph. As you heard, we're going to find a way to get him back again and uh, see if we can put together this scenario. Thanks again, Ch uh, Chuck Randolph. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ron.